Hey, good morning, black people. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Or good afternoon or whatever it is, wherever it is in your hood. I want to say hi to everybody and say hello to everybody on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is the real voice Watkins. And um, I was uh, I went to bed last night and we had a we had a, a lively conversation last night um, about this whole interesting uh, interview between Kamala Harris and uh, Charlemagne the God, and it kind of went all over the place. And uh, we talked for about an hour last night. Um, and uh, it was maybe about one or two in the morning and thousands of you were, were here and we were talking about this and having a good discussion about it. And uh, so today I got up and I saw, um, you know, I, I, I was uh, I was looking and I, at, at, a, at a chat thread uh, that we have with uh, some people that are um that are basically, you know, kind of uh, some panelists that I, that I speak to on a, on on somewhat a regular basis, and uh, and and one thing that came up, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but but uh, in that interview with Charlemagne and um, and Kamala Harris, there are some people who think that Kamala might have been faking it. That Kamala, uh, you know, I don't know if you all saw. Actually, first of all, let's start here. How many of you saw Kamala's interview with Charlemagne? Give me a yes in the chat if you saw any piece of it. If you heard about the interview. Um, do I have a link, Craig, the tech guy? I do not have a link uh, right in front of me, but if you just Google search Charlemagne and Kamala Harris, it'll come up. Uh, it's on um, Charlemagne's show, uh, The God's Honest Truth, uh, which seems to be an interesting show. It's um, It seems to be built kind of similar to like The Daily Show uh, or um, the one with Trevor Noah. And uh, and so I look forward to seeing what he does with the show. I think it's good. He's had uh, some good people on there. But uh, anyway, um, the, the the interview was, was interesting. I know Vicki Dillard had a perspective as well on fly new being queen TV, which I encourage everybody to go take a look at, because I think that when you have something like this, this is the kind of situation where you're hearing from the black people on TV. And then you're hearing from the black people who are, who are actually in the community, right? You're hearing uh, you hear from the black folks that are sanctioned by white folks, you know, they get to be on TV networks and all this other stuff. But then to me, the more interesting conversation is the one that happens with the black folks like you and I, who are kind of just, living that kind of out here. You know, um, I don't fit well into that space. I'm not, you know, interested in being in that space, to be honest with you. I'd rather be in this space because I have a lot more freedom and flexibility. I can be myself. I don't have to pretend to be stupid. I don't have to go along with the ignorance of hip hop and all this other stuff in order to fit in. Uh, Because I do believe, I'm I'm sorry, please forgive me, but for for saying this, but I believe that it is a a blatant in-your-face conspiracy that they take the most ignorant, motherfuckers like the dumbest people that you've ever met i'm talking about most ignorant most destructive most black hating people ever you know who literally rap about killing black people and they make them into like your leaders they make them the front men for the black community these are the ones that are put into the spotlight so as long as you're putting dumb people into the spotlight um i don't think smart people should even want to be in that spotlight right you know and so i don't you know i yeah i mean i've you know i've been on shows like the breakfast club and stuff like that a few times and i appreciate Charlemagne for inviting me but it was always very frustrating to have to go in there. And uh, I was raised in the house. So I'm going to just tell you something, you know, a little something about my daddy. I was raised in a household where, where my father told me, like, you don't co-sign on ignorance. It, it don't matter if it makes you fit in. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if you get more friends. It doesn't matter if it makes you the coolest guy in the room. You don't co-sign on ignorant bullshit. You just don't. And uh, and so when I when I would go in that show, um, Sorry, can, let me know if you can hear me. Give me a yes if you can hear me. Uh, my, my alarm just went off. Let me know if you can hear me um, on Instagram. Uh, but, you know, the you know when I, went up, when I would go on that show, there would just be these rappers there, and I would be sitting there thinking, man, I, I listen to your songs, and you rap about getting young kids addicted to drugs. 
why am I the only person who thinks that that's terrible? Like, why am I the only person who is thinking about what drugs have done to the black community? How, how many ways do I got to spell that out to you? I mean, seriously, give, in fact, let's quick survey. And we're going to get to Kamala, I promise. Y'all know me. I talk I talk about the issue from different angles. And, and, I, and I, I'm going to get to the whether or not Kamala is faking. But how many of you have had a relative get hooked on drugs? How many of y'all have ever had the fucking dis, ex, distinct displeasure of dealing with some asshole in your family who's who's always so damn high that you can't depend on them for shit? Like, how many of y'all have ever had an alcoholic or a drug addict in your family? Give me a yes or no in the chat if, if you fit that category. Um, you know, I have. I had several. And it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible because they will never love you as much as they love that crack pipe. They will never love you as much as they love that damn liquor bottle. They will never love their kids as much as they love getting high, hitting that, hit, smoking the weed, hit, hit the heroin. All of, I'm not making fun of anybody who, you know, I know a lot of people smoke weed now, and I'm not judging that, right? I, I told you, I, I think the, the what is it, the um, uh, you got the THC and that other ingredient, uh, the CBD. The CBD is cool. I put that on my knee because it make, it keeps my knee from hurting. But the THC, this idea that a black man should want to walk around out of his mind and completely disconnected from the world. Uh, and, and oblivious to what's happening to him, oblivious to the fact that white people want to kill you is absolutely positively the dumbest shit you can ever do in your life. It's stupid. So even though I knew going on shows like that would actually help me to connect with certain people, and even though I knew that I should be very patient with some of this, and I want to be, I try to be, right? There's another part of me that's like, man, this is stupid. This is stupid as fuck. You're talking about liberation. You don't know a goddamn thing about what it means to be free. You don't know nothing about what it takes to actually compete with the people that are trying to oppress you. You you don't even have a damn clue. You know, so so I would just say this, and I and I have a couple guests coming in in a minute. And I'm and uh, T and um and uh and uh Zaki, I, I see you in there. Uh, give me give me give me like about five minutes. I got I got to get some of this out. So um so one of the things I want to mention real quick is that you know I think. When you have these conversations, there is a distinct disconnect between the people on TV and black people in the community. Uh, and the reason I know this is because we do surveys and polls. And I and it's fascinating to me that, for example, the Democrats would tell you that, that black people really want to make sure illegal immigrants can all vote in New York City. And I'll do a poll. I did a poll. I said, how many of you all think that illegal immigrants should be allowed to vote? And literally 94 percent of you said no. So I'm like, who are these black people that they're getting? To believe and to co-sign on this idea, it doesn't mean that it's it doesn't mean that it's wrong to believe that you can believe what you want to believe, but that clearly does not reflect the community. That clearly does not connect to the pulse of Black people. And I believe that at some point, chickens will come home to roost. At some point, that disconnect, that celebrated disconnect between what the so-called Black leadership is doing and what the people actually want, is going to actually uh, cause them to lose. The, a big chunk of the black community forever. They've already lost a lot of you already. And so, um, so, so one of the things I want to mention also is um, I, I saw this, I, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit and I'm going to bring, um, bring the guests in uh, and uh, say, say hi to them. And I'm going to read a little bit from a, a book called Poweronomics or sorry, Black Labor, White Wealth by Dr. Anderson. How you doing, Zakia? How are you? Peace and blessings, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I see we got Tika Leak in here. Uh, good to see you, brother. How you doing, man? I think T is muted. T. Okay, T's T's mic is muted. So, uh, so, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read a little bit about. Uh, I'm gonna read from the book Black Labor, White Wealth, page 165. Now, this is by Dr. Claude Anderson. We have been studying this book every Wednesday. We're trying to get smarter 
Uh, we're just not going to sit around and wait for stupid people to catch up. So what I'm going to do is read uh, on page 165 where he talks about the psychological and social conditioning process. Why black folks are brainwashed. Why so many of us, despite evidence to the contrary, will continue to believe the same thing no matter what. And uh, he says um, here, the national public policy on blacks was structured to incorporate the psychological and social conditioning process for blacks and whites that evolved over the course of American history. Slaveholders, absolute power. Uh, Slaveholders, absolute power um, over blacks allowed them to operate an efficient and effective slavery conditioning system. Slaveholders constructed internal controls on slaves that minimized the external force necessary to control them. So they control your mind so they don't have to control your body. The government provided the environment for the legal framework that allowed the conditioning process to exist and operate for 250 years. The slaveholders conditioned blacks to serve as good slaves. The effects carried over into the freed black society and affected the general behavior of blacks as a race of people. Table 10 indicates some of the major goals, techniques, and strategies employed in the conditioning process that forged a helpless, submissive, and manageable labor force. The process was designed to instill in blacks a strict discipline, a sense of inferiority, belief in the slave owner's superior power, acceptance of the owner's standards, and a deep sense of slaves' helplessness and dependence. The slave owners strove to cut blacks off from their own history, culture, language, and community, and to inculcate white society's value system. So I read this and I was thinking about this today when I think about what goes on politically, when I when, you know, when I see the brainwashing. And, and, and actually... Um, I'm going to actually take this question to the panelists. Uh, I didn't know you guys were going to come in today, so I was going to go ahead and just have the conversation. I'm glad you all are here. Um, So, so, you know, one of the things I thought about was I I watched uh, this, this interview between um, and either one of y'all can jump in. Uh, Zakia ladies first, uh, if you, if you, if you want to jump into you can as well. Um, I watched this interview that I think T shared this uh, in our common thread where it was an interview between Diddy and Charlemagne. And in the interview, Diddy continuously, he talks about his black political party, which I, I haven't seen it anywhere. Maybe he's going to do it. I don't know. But I, I wondered if it was just sort of in response to the energy around the last election. And one of the things Diddy kept talking about is how the Trump supporters are threatening our lives, how the white supremacists are threatening to come get us and come kill us and and, and all this other stuff. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I, you know, I live in Chicago. A thousand people have been murdered in Chicago. Most of those people are black. I don't know of any of these black people that were murdered for, uh, for because they were Democrats by Trump supporters. Um, I don't know, you know, how many of these people were murdered by a, gr- a group of white supremacists who a white supremacist mob who came into the hood and killed everybody. I can't name thousands of black people who've been murdered by just mobs of Trump supporters. Now, I'm not trying to defend Trump supporters to say that we want to be Trump supporters. I'm trying to say that we know black people are dying, but I but there's no evidence to say that they're being killed by mobs of trump supporters so what what is this disconnect that i'm not getting that's that that you know that diddy's referring to where are all these thousands and thousands of black people that are being murdered by mobs of trump supporters all across because thousands of black people are dying there but i haven't seen them being killed by trump supporters whoever wants to jump in first uh t i see you you kind of jump around so so maybe t uh you can go and go first brother well yeah because the the thing is you gotta understand p diddy is a public figure he has a lot of people following him and P. Diddy was getting a lot of criticism when he was saying, hold your vote. Um, he was saying, don't vote without any tangibles. Now, when the election time came close, now he switched his position to, we got to vote this racist Trump out. Otherwise, there is going to be a racial war. So to me, it just seems like he has to toe the line 
in order to maintain his position. And the other thing is he contradicts himself a whole lot in that interview, him and Charlemagne. Because on the one hand, he does say we can't keep voting the same way and getting nothing in return. He keeps saying that. He's, he's saying that's the definition of incentive. But then he goes around and says, we got to vote this racist out first. And then after we vote this racist out first, then we're going to hold the Democrat Party accountable, which is ridiculous because then the Democrats don't even have to listen to you because you didn't even you didn't have any tangibles in place. And then when it really mattered and then when they're like, you know what, there's a racist in the White House, we really got to get them out. When it really mattered, you should have stood firm and still said no. Because black people's situation doesn't change under a Republican and it doesn't change under Democrats. So if you don't give us nothing, then you're going to have to deal with another four years of Trump. But, you know, he folded, but then try to sound pro-black saying we got to vote on our interests. It makes no sense. Zakia, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, much just echoing what T said. Um, at this point, you know, it is a uh, political suicide for black people to continue to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. I feel like black people are constantly uh, being pimped. We're the holes of the Democratic Party. And um, I'm real disappointed uh, in seeing people who do have a certain level of following or, you know, people who have some, you know, stature uh, in the community uh, come out and say, we got to get this racist out of the office as if Joe Biden isn't a racist. That That's what's problematic to me. It's like people are saying, okay, but but Trump is a white supremacist. Trump is a white supremacist. Okay, what definition are we using? Because the last time I checked, Joe Biden also met the definition. So like, to me, it sounds like we didn't have a choice, you know? And then we don't talk about like why large segments of our communities don't vote at all. Um, there's large parts of the black community, mainly the younger generation, who, you know, in my mind, intelligently look at their options as intelligent black people and say, oh, well, you know, this over here is not talking about the things that are important to me around economics, around, you know, economic justice, around all these police brutality. I mean, hell, Joe Biden told us on the campaign trail that he didn't believe in defunding the police. In fact, he wanted to give more funding to the police. So, I mean, when it comes to black issues, things that disproportionately impact us, there was very little difference, if any difference at all, between Trump and Biden. Now, I know I'm going to lose a lot of black people saying that, but it's the truth. Well, and, and just, oh, go, go ahead, I just want to add on to that, too. And I, I agree with everything Sister Zakia said. And just, you know, what, what frustrates me the most is the fear mongering that takes place in the black community. Because if you listen to that Diddy and Charlemagne interview, it was just scaring black people talking about a race war is going to happen another four years. And I'm like, are, are Trump supporters marching through the hood Killing y'all, you know, Diddy's talking about we got to mob up, you know, you know, you know, mob them up, fight them. I'm like, I don't, I haven't seen a situation where Trump supporters are hunting down black people. I mean, the only situation <laughs> that was presented was a Juicy Smollier, but then that turned out to be a, a fraud. So it's like, where, where are they getting this no, idea that all of a sudden Juicy people are just going to march down us and whoop on us? You, you call him Juicy. That, <laughs> you sound yeah. like a homophobe. I'm sorry, that's what everyone's calling them. But yeah, it's just a fear mongering, man. We we have to stop scaring black people about white people because it's causing us to not think straight and then we're just being very reactionary. 
Yeah, but yeah, we shouldn't be scared uh, anyway. If, if if Trump supporters was arming up and coming through the hood, we need to do what our ancestors did. We need to arm up. Exactly. Mm. Well, you know, I, I think. Exactly. Uh, I agree with that. Thousand percent. Like we, we have to like, I, I, I hear this so many times and this is not pro Republican, please. This is not pro Republican, but I hear this so many times that Trump emboldened the white supremacists and I'm like emboldening them how? No one's no white man came up to me and called me N word. I haven't been attacked yet. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to see where is this emboldening coming from. Like I said, this is all fear mongering language to just fear us into voting for the same party. Well, well, you know what it what what <clears throat> what it makes me think about is it's um it's not just a weapon of mass distraction. It is um the creation of a mass illusion. It's like we're we're not really gonna address the real real <clears throat> real issues going on. I I compared it to my wife. Uh, I, when our kids get a little bit sick and they, but they want to stay home from school for another two or three days. And they, they, so they really were sick at one point, but it'll be like, but mom, I'm really sick. I, I could get COVID. I could die. Oh my God. You know, and you have to come in there and say, look, no, you still got to do your homework. You still got to clean the kitchen and get your ass up and go to school. Right. And, and, and that's kind of what, but what's occurring with those children is they're using uh, this this illusion and kind of stretching it out <clears throat> so that they can shirk their own responsibility. So the Democrats, um, they can bring up legitimate scenarios in the past and, and to some extent, small, you know, a few scenarios in the present where white supremacists have done some terrible things, right? We were not going to deny all the racial ugliness that, that has existed in this country that still continues to exist to this day. But what they'll do, what it seems to me they're doing is they'll take it and they'll stretch it out. They'll create false scenarios, like like almost like when when our, when our daughter's like, <coughs> right? So like Jesse Small is like, a bunch of Trump supporters attacked me today, and I and I was out trying to get a subway sandwich at two o'clock in the morning in twenty below weather, and they said, "Aren't you that nigger from Empire?" Right? Like like they like like a bunch of Trump supporters are really gonna recognize Jesse Smollett. Right. Come on, man. These are some old crackhead fantasies like you literally had to be extra high sitting with your boys to really think that this plan was going to make sense. People saw that through that immediately. And it's like, so pay attention. Now, what I notice is I'm thinking, okay, so you must not really have no shit to stand on because you got to go make stories up to prove your point. Right. Like this whole idea of the white supremacist mobs coming to kill black people. You can't find a real mob nowhere. You got the whole country. There's 360 million people. There's not a mob of Trump supporters anywhere you can find that are going to kill black people to the point where you got to make up stories. And then the, the way the media, I love how uh, there, there are people that really pointed out how uh, you know they, they, it's almost like you know, you have a situation where you catch somebody in a lie and you know they're lying. And you you love, but you want to hear the whole story so you can just see what they look like when they're lying and how stupid they look, right? Before you drop the bomb on the dumbass. I felt that way when I was watching how so many so-called intelligent people on the left ran up right behind Jesse Smollett. Well, if you don't believe that that this is that if you believe Jesse's lying, then something's wrong with you. And this was a racist and homophobic attack. And, and they were instantly politicizing it. Gail King and a bunch of other people, a bunch of people, CNN analysts, Don Lemon, a lot of people were really running up behind this. And it really showed to me as clearly as any other incident in the last two or three years, just how stupid this process has become. Right. You look like a complete motherfucking fool. Excuse my French. You look stupid right now because most rational people heard that story, 
and said, that don't even make no damn sense. My wife and I live in Chicago. It was 20-something degrees below zero. Why are you out at 2 o'clock in the morning getting a subway? Set? Ain't you rich? Can't you do DoorDash? Like, it didn't make any sense. So anyway, go ahead, please. I'm, I'm going to stop. Well, uh, no, I, I'm so glad you said it. And what black people have to realize is there is really a civil war with between the ideologies. I'm not understanding why we're not understanding. It's really white conservatives versus white liberals. This is why every incident, including the Jesse Smollett situation, was politicized, was for that purpose. So when 2020 comes, we are voting a certain way. It's the same way with the police shootings. It's always slanted to just be pro-liberal. And, you know, it's these racist white conservatives who are trying to take take your, take your rights away and kill you. We have to understand, we see the proud boy, we see white people fight each other politically. We're seeing the Proud Boys fighting Antifa. Black people have to see this, that it's not some white liberals is all on the side against racism or all crusading. And the only people standing in the way is the white conservative and we must fight them. No, that's brainwashing because we see the Democrats are in power and black people are still having the same situations. So how do you account for that? You cannot account for that. We are in a political war between the white the right and the left, and black people need to know how, how to maneuver around this and get tangibles out of it instead of just siding with one side because they're making you feel emotionally good. And you know, the other thing that I've noticed is um, when Ice Cube, who is one of the few people who were actually calling for some tangibles for black people, um, you know, Ice Cube was shouted down, was called names all over Twitter from other black people, black uh, organizers, elites who got their funding from the Democratic Party to turn us out like hoes to vote for the Democrats. Um, they have been silent, right, um, this entire year under the Biden uh, presidency because we have seen all other types of different communities from the LGBTQ community to the Asian community get what's called tangibles, get some type of policy out of this current administration. Um, however, black people have been wa waiting and wanting, okay, so then when is it our turn, right? Um, and I also have not seen um, the same people who called uh, Ice Cube every name in the book except the name his mother gave him and a black man. They have not used the same language towards Joe Biden when Joe Biden said that he did not agree with getting rid of the filibuster. If we've been paying attention to the Voting Rights Act that was not passed out of the Congress this year because you had two Democratic senators, Joe Manchin and the white woman out of Arizona, I forget her name, who said, you know, we're not supporting this. We're not supporting the Build Back Better plan. We're not supporting the Biden um, uh, plans. We're, we're just not supporting, supporting this bill around voting rights. Now you have all the Black elite groups, the voting right groups, who are saying, well, you know, we have to have voting rights, you know, or, you know, we're not going to uh, turn out our people in 2022. Now, what is it really about? So y'all turning out black people to do what exactly? Is it for the masses of black people or is it for you and your immediate family? Because for me, I'm concerned about the masses of black people. I see that the masses of black people, especially here in the D.C. region, are continuously being kicked out into the cold through gentrification, literally homeless on the street, street encampments. Right. And it's and it's becoming uh, even more exacerbated. 
but we can't get a real policy conversation because everybody's talking about Juicy Smollett, everybody's talking about all these other distractions that have absolutely nothing to do with actual policy. So to me, um, they're going to continue to distract Black people. They're going to continue to pull on our emotional uh, shoot, uh, uh, heartstrings until we just vote, you know, one way. Uh, all the time and continue uh, to be an undercast uh, in this country. That's 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 exactly what we are at this point. Well, and not only that, they just also just talking about, like I said, we, we are too focused on getting white people to understand us. And that's that's just so infuriating. Everything is about getting white people to understand the black experience, love us, give us a hug. And I just feel like we're so distracted <laughs> by that. Um, and, you know, it, there was there was even remnants of that in the Charlemagne interview with Kamala Harris talking about how the re racist Republicans are trying to take your rights away, things of that nature. We never get to the topics of what you just said. Zakia. It, it's never any tangible topics that's affecting the social economics of black people. Like we're talking about like Joe Manchin. And I'm just like, but. What are, you, what are you doing, Kamala Harris? What are you saying? You said you were Black Girl Magic. You're running for Black folks. What what have you said to raise the Black situation, to raise any type of policy agendas? We don't even hear from you. I wish Charlemagne would have said that to Kamala Harris, but you know it, it just seemed like he just stuck to the whole left versus right. What are you going to do about Joe Manchin? You know, he's stopping. He's siding with the Republicans. And it just gets black people in this. OK, we got to just side with the Democrats because these racist Republicans are going to do to do something bad to us. It doesn't put us in an independent, higher level thinking to say, wait a minute. Both of these sides are serving us interests. We need to start putting our foot down on both of these parties. Mm. And we got to get away from this narrative that only the Republicans are racist. Thank you. For example, um, I lived in Dayton, Ohio, before moving to the D.C. region, lived there for 20 years. The, the Democrats have controlled the city of Dayton for 45 plus years. And when it came to the conditions of black people within the city of Dayton and, and other cities across the country and even across the state of Ohio, black people continue to vote the same way, the same sometimes the same people in over and over again. Yet our conditions continue to worsen. So when people talk about racism, I have to get into a conversation of what, well, how are you defining racism? Because if you're only defining racism by somebody doing mean tweets or saying the N word or saying, oh, I don't like black people, then you are following behind what the media is, 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 is portraying as racism. What real racism is, is actually institutional systemic. You know what I mean? It is, is, is the systems and structures that keep our communities as food deserts, right? Systems and structures who vote and say, oh, we're gonna allocate more money to this side of town than to this side of town. If we're really gonna get down into it when we look at how cities craft their budgets, because to me, budgets are moral documents. And if you're investing in one side of the town over the other and the other side of the town that happens to get the disinvestment, that's to me institutional and systemic racism that has been perpetuated since we've been here on these shores. And Democrats by far have a monopoly on that when it comes to cities. <clears throat> well, you know, I, I'd be curious to ask, and by the way, I'm speaking um uh with uh Mrs. Zakia. What, what's your last name, Zakia? I'm sorry. It's all good, brother. It's Zakia Sankara Jabbar. I think your audience knows me by now. Yeah, yeah, Zakia. And um, and I'm gonna actually put up Zakia's um uh show and website and also T Kalik. 
uh, and you can follow them. There's their information right there on the screen. Also, I want everybody to know uh, that just in case, uh, you know, I, I don't know if uh, I mentioned to you guys, but I think I was shadow banned on Instagram. My daughter's uh, friend tried to look me up and she couldn't find me. <clears throat> I, she typed in specifically my exact Instagram page, The Real Boyce Watkins. It did not come up. So I think I was shadow banned. So just as a backup, in case they take us down or whatever, and they've, they've been doing a lot of crazy stuff to our Facebook pages, and I can't hardly post on Facebook as much. Uh, so just in case, uh, you can actually text the word Boyce to 31996. That way we can remain connected. So just text Boyce to 31996, and I'll send you a text message uh, if, if it really ever goes down. Uh, you guys know we're not going to stop what we're doing on this platform, but it's real. It's war. You know, It's unfortunate. Just... It, it, it's Facebook doing me the same way. Facebook has had me in jail twice in the last month. It's crazy. How many people died? You're not doing anything wrong. That's the crazy part. Yeah, how many people died following your advice, went out and murdered people, killed people, harassed people? They're only doing this to intelligent people. That you know, they they started off with Alex Jones to to get everyone agreed. And I said then that people were going to regret that happening to him and Farrakhan. Remember, they did Alex Jones and Farrakhan first, and people didn't fight for them. And I remember that. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, uh, I mean, this, this, you know, ladies and gentlemen is what oppression looks like. Oppression doesn't show up, you know, in a negative form. It shows up very subtle, very gentle, like, oh, we're just doing this to protect you. And then slowly but surely they're quote unquote protecting you by taking away more and more of your rights. So you really have to understand it, understand it enough to see it when it's happening. And that's one of the reasons why on this platform, I've mentioned to you guys a thousand times that, I don't believe in censoring anybody. I mean, unless it's really extreme. Like if somebody's really telling people go out and kill each other, then that's a problem, right? That's why you got to censor some of these rappers because some of the rappers, unfortunately, and their record labels are marketing the homicides of black people. And you're seeing real death occurring in communities. Like I, I, I'm from Chicago. The, the, the shootings are real. Like people are really little babies are really taking bullets to the brain. And, and this is being marketed as a good thing as, as a cool thing. Right. So that type of censorship, I'm cool with that. But when you start talking about censoring people uh, because somebody called you the N word, well, ignore that. I mean, sis, I, I don't, why, why do you care what some toothless hillbilly in Tennessee says about you? I don't care. You know, and, and when they know they can trigger you and get you to respond, well, you're giving them power, right? So, so I would just say, you know, at the end of the day, I think freedom is, uh, is, is, is for grown folks. And I think freedom is something that we as black people uh, can utilize to our advantage. Uh, I think that we give our freedom away. In many cases, we give our power away. In many cases, uh, in fact, I was actually while y'all were speaking, I, I looked up the definition of Stockholm syndrome, and I'd be curious to know if anybody in the audience, how many of y'all think black people, maybe when it comes to politics, we've got some Stockholm syndrome. You know, Stockholm syndrome is where you are in an abusive relationship. Uh, you have someone that holds you captive. And you start to form uh, positive feelings towards your captor. And some of the symptoms, according to WebMD, of Stockholm Syndrome are uh, feelings that you have toward the abuser that are a little bit confusing. Like you you love your oppressor. Uh, you sympathize with your oppressor. You empathize, meaning that you can put your, yourself in the shoes of the oppressor. You have a desire to protect the oppressor. I, I rarely see Negroes fighting harder for anybody than they fight for these damn Democrats. And I'm like, and it's crazy to me. T, I, I see, I see you, you, you're both shaking your hands. So ladies first, uh, Zakia, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's, um, it actually hurts my feelings. Cause I've, I, I stopped voting like a straight democratic ticket the second 
Obama administration. I did not vote for him the second time I voted the Green Party. Um, because I don't know if y'all remember this, but Obama came in, he had like like Joe Biden, he had the House and the Senate. So the first couple of years of his first presidency, he had, you know, he 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 could have done uh the things that he said he would do when he was running. One of the things that if you all remember, I, I recall a lot of this because I'm I, I was working very much um, as a part of the democratic political machine uh, when I was in Ohio. And I just saw too much. Um, they are just as corrupt as the Republicans. I mean, they are basically, I hear people say two sides of the same bird. It's true. It really is when you get down to it. Um, and when I realized that black people, as far as their Democratic Party platform, were not a, a priority and we were the largest and strongest voting bloc, I said, this is not a healthy relationship. This is an abusive relationship. And black people are continuously um, being steered uh, mainly by the elite um, in, in our community to continue to vote a certain type of way because it benefits the small one or 2% of the elite from a lot of these legacy civil rights organizations. You never hear from the legacy civil rights organizations until it's time to vote. And I thought that was a problem. Um, Black people have a lot of issues. As you both know, I work in education. Our children are catching hell in these schools. Where are these legacy civil rights organizations when it comes to our babies, when it comes to our children? when it comes to what's happening to black women trying to give birth. I mean, there's so many different issues that directly impacts us more than it does anyone else. And we don't hear about those issues. All we hear about is emotionalism in terms of our great grandparents marched and died for us to vote. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, seriously, that's, I get it. Yes, I, I grew up in Selma, Alabama. I had family who was a part of those marches. I'm with all of that. But at some point, we need to talk numbers and sense, right? At some point, we need to come to the table and talk about what's reality and what's happening uh, uh, to Black people. And to me, economics is right at the top, uh, especially when I'm looking at us continue, continuously as a group. We're continuing to lose ground and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And so I have actually lost patience with the Black political elite because they refuse, if you're going to negotiate for Black people, negotiate for the masses of us. Negotiate in good faith to ensure that your people get something out of it. Don't just continue to come to us and tell us, well, you need to vote because somebody died. I, I'm cool with all of that. We need to get something in, uh, right now. It's twenty, almost 2022. And Black people are continuously as a group to fall further and further behind. I'm not okay with that. Well, we are actually shamed into voting. That is that is a problem. We're never we're never allowed to talk about our issues. Just think about Amanda Seals in 2020 when she says, "I don't give a f about any black agenda or no black issue. We just need to get this racist mf'er out the office." That that seemed to be a, the mantra across the black community. Even that P Diddy and Charlemagne speak. We just got to get Trump out first. I mean, it's so ridiculous. And if I'm a Democrat, a white Democrat, and I see that, I said, well, I'm going to ignore this community because all you guys want me to do is get rid of Trump. 
I don't have to talk to you about policy. You're not putting any pressure on me about policy. And the only time we hear from Obama and Michelle, I swear to God, I feel like the only time I heard from them was when it's time to vote. Now they're giving speeches, but they're only giving speeches when it's time for us to vote. And yes, in the black community, we have a lot of false prophets, celebrities, propped up as if they're pro-black. And I'm sorry, I have to mention Charlemagne. I have a little bit of respect, but when he let Hillary, Hillary Clinton come on his show, talk about hot sauce, and did not check her, we're having a serious conversation about black people. And you want to sit there and pander to me, and that's supposed to be, oh, I'm supposed to be shucking and trying. Oh, well, 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 I eat hot sauce on my chicken, too. We're supposed to be cool. That's not funny. Like, you don't see, listen, when the, when the Asian communities were going on their hate crime, right, did they sit down with Jackie Chan and, and you know what I'm saying, <laughs> eating Chinese food, talking about, you know, the, the, the hate crime? No, they don't talk to um, Asian celebrities. But they do the black community like that. Charlemagne was disrespected by Joe Biden when Joe Biden said, you ain't black. Why did he check him there? It's like he said nothing and then, and then defended him the next day talking about, well, um, I wasn't offended by that. And then even with this interview, like I said, with Kamala Harris, the questions were not really, to me, when I was listening to it, it was more just centered around Democrat policy, politics, nothing about what you said, black economics, we gotta, we gotta stop Joe Manchin. What are we gonna do if Joe Manchin and Joe Biden's president? I've never seen an African American ask that question, questioning if who's the president, Joe Manchin, Joe Biden. These are stuff that we don't care about. But this is how they loop us in. It sounds pro-black because you're mentioning white supremacy, so it sounds pro-black. That loops us in. It's okay, man. We gotta listen to them because they are talking about white supremacy. We have to break out of that. Here's the thing. They could bring Joe Manchin to heel if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. They don't want to. They're hiding behind, well, you know, Joe Manchin and whatever's white woman out in Arizona, they won't let us do it. But that's actually not true. That's why you hear the black political elite saying advocates to end the filibuster. And Joe Biden said on public record, I'm not doing that. So basically, F y'all and y'all voting rights bill. So what argument are they going to use in 2022 but why we got to turn out again for Democrats and we ain't got shit these last two years. Well, let, let me let me jump in and I, I want to share something real quick to, to a point uh, that T that made earlier about um, the shucking and jiving. Um, I, 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 I want to ask anybody remember, did anybody remember this incident with Roland Martin and Hillary Clinton where he was showing her how to do the, the wobble? Remember that? And see, they will engage in that because this is easy. Oh, this is gonna get y'all Negroes to vote for me. Okay, I'll dance, even though I can't dance. This is this is easy. Eating eating fried chicken, going to churches, talking in a black vernacular. Well, if this is gonna get y'all to vote, this is easy. They know what other communities they gotta come correct. We're talking about policy. We're not none of that. I'm not gonna go to the Latinos with a sombrero and a burrito in my hand and we start talking. No, we're talking serious. But with us, it's, it's play, play. And we got to start checking these black people who do that. Like, yo, you don't represent us. The same way we check Ice Cube, somebody said we should have been checking Roland Martin. Like, we got to draw the line. Let these let these Democrats know we ain't playing this. And like I said, this is not pro-Republican. The only reason why I mainly, me personally, focus on Democrats is that who has the black thought currently. Exactly. If Republicans had the black thought, I would be focused on them. But right. Republicans are bashed on CNN, on all mainstream media. All of your favorite hip hoppers don't like Republicans. In Hollywood, they're bashed. 
In fact, I mean, going around being a Trump supporter was not popular. So it's it's easy. People act like you are bashing white supremacy when you talk about re Republicans, but there's no repercussions for talking about them. But there is for Democrats, which is why I focus on. I got a question um, for you, Zakia. Uh, when, when you mentioned uh, voting rights earlier, um, and that, that was something Hillary talked a lot, not Hillary, I'm sorry, uh, Kamala talked a lot about in uh, the interview with Charlemagne. You know, they, that, that's the consistent uh, playbook that they tend to go to. Um, I don't see a lot of black folks really talking about voting rights or voter ID laws, but I see the Democrats kind of constantly going to that. Now, I need to I, I'm, I'm trying to please, help me with, with my confusion on this. I, I I'm really asking this question because I really need an answer that's going to help me see it differently. Um, OK, so it seemed to me that a lot of the conversation was that you shouldn't be required to show an ID if you want to go vote. What I don't know a lot of black people that don't have ID. Right. Or can't get one. Right. Um, now, what's fascinating to me as well is while they say that you shouldn't be forced to show an ID in order to vote, you should be forced to show a vax card in order for you to go into a restaurant, go to the movies, go to the gym or whatever. So 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 to me, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine it's harder to get a vax card because you got to put something in your body than it is to get an ID. Right. So so is this really. Like, and they bring this issue to us as if that is the number one issue that black people should be concerned about. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I can also say this, too. Lots of black people have been voting for a very, very long time. Um, I haven't seen a lot of progress come from the Democrats. Uh, so, so me voting for Biden seems to me, it seems like it helps Biden, but it don't really help me. It helps him maintain his power. Uh, so, so I need to understand why is what's with the consistent conversation about voting rights as if that is the top issue for black people all the time, everywhere, no matter what. Uh, Zakia, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because I, I'm really trying to understand. You and I have the same question. And if you ask um, the masses of black people, right, and I think you you have a platform where you put out these feelers, you'll find out probably the nine times out of 10 is not the number one issue. Not for those of us uh, in this age bracket. Now, if you get to the senior citizens, in their mind, you know what I mean? Because they retired and they money straight anyway, right? Mm -hmm. um, the baby boomer generation, uh, our generation economically are doing worse than our parents and our grandparents. Um, so voting rights is probably one of the top issues for that age group because, you know, it just is. You know, they went through the movement and all of that. But for us, that's not the biggest issue. You, you got black folks that's concerned about child care. Child care is crazy when it comes to, I mean, everything is surrounding economics. Black people are being pushed out of uh, what used to be majority black cities like Washington, D.C. Used to be Chocolate City. is Latte City now. There's a lot of white in there. You know, Baltimore, you know, Detroit and Oakland. You know, when you when you look at these cities where black people used to be the majority, you also see tent cities. Nobody is talking about what's real for us, in my opinion. And okay. to me, that is shameful. And I also see the black political elite at this point as enemies. Because if you're if you have a seat at the table, because y'all love talking about having a seat at the table, okay, you got one. Why are you the only talking about voting rights? Why are you only sitting across from Kamala Harris and whoever else? And talking about voting rights when it comes to black people, when our kids are, are catching hell in K through 12 public schools, 
when our when our children are catching hell in in communities where they don't have outlets because the city has decided to disinvest from that and build dog parks instead you understand because they want to welcome in white people there are so many different issues there's a plethora of different issues that we really could be having some substantial conversations about and actually pushing policy the other thing that people have been very quiet about is hr 40. uh jim clyburn is black he's the whip of the house he has the power to whip to get as many signatures as humanly possible to even get hr 40 a hearing he refused to do it but he will whip for what white folks want him to do see we got to start looking at black people who are also on the left the same way we look at clarence thomas because i do you know what i mean to me he's just a democratic version of clarence thomas we have to understand that a lot of these black political elites to directly answer your question boys finally <laughs> a lot of the black political elites are not acting on behalf of black people at all mm. they're really doing what they're being told to do so in exchange for a check being written to their organization and granted they got a couple of zeros behind it their job is to get us to the polls to vote in the interest of other people not our interest that's mm. that question. And, and Zaki, I just want to add on to that. I promise you, if black people were voting Republican, we wouldn't be talking about voting rights. They'll be trying to see how to limit our voting rights. So to me, the voting rights thing is just to keep us pigeonholed into voting for the Democrats. And the issues that you just mentioned, the real conversation, that's not allowed to happen. Because as long as we revel in our dysfunction, we look to them as our savior. They, they talk as if they really understand us. They talk as if they truly understand white supremacy, but the white liberal type white supremacy is to get white people to love you and understand you. It's not economic. It's not policy driven. It's just get white people to stop their microtransactions, maybe stop them from going to your hair and rubbing it and saying how kinky it is, <laughs> that type of stuff. That's what they want black people focused on. So yes, when it comes to us politically, they bring up that voting rights issue as if the racist white Republicans are stopping you from voting. What translates, they, they don't want you to vote for Democrats. So as long as you keep voting for us, we're going to make sure that we keep the Republicans at bay. That's all the voting rights is. It's a, it's a, it's a fraud. And you're right, these black political leaders pushing it, it's, it's almost traitorous. It's like, do you see what's going on in your communities? Go to any African-American. No one is talking about voting rights. You only see the talk in the media. No, no African-Americans talking about voter rights. It's, it's, it is traitorous. Well, you know, by the way, everybody, I'm, I'm speaking to um, Z Mrs. Zakia. I'm, I'm going to call you Mrs. Zakia so I don't mess yeah, it. Mrs. Zakia is cool. Mrs. Zakia. Uh, and uh, Zakia is uh, the host of a great show. You should check out uh, Real it's Talk. Real Talk with ZSJ on YouTube. Real Talk with there. ZSJ. And here's how you can follow her online. Also, T. Kalik. You can follow him on Facebook uh, right here. Every, their information is right there. Also, if you want to support the platform, you want to become a patron, feel free to go to intelligentblackpeople.com. Uh, that URL is on the screen. Please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Also, again, because they are shadow banning uh, various platforms where we operate on, 
Uh, this is a war. They don't they don't want intelligent black people to speak. If I was an ignorant rapper talking about slapping my baby's mama and shooting five black people, they'd have me all over the media outlets. But because we're actually trying to have intelligent conversations, you know what it is. They're not really interested in that. So uh, to fight some of that. Uh, we are strategically positioned to make sure that we can connect with you no matter what. So I'd like everybody in here to text the word voice to 31996. You'll get on the text list. That way I can still connect with you in case they cut me off. Because at some point, I imagine it's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I will tell you all that um, I totally understand why they do what they do. I completely get it. You know, again, we've been reading uh, Black Labor, White Wealth by Dr. Claude Anderson, which I encourage everybody to read. His books are at powernomics.com. And I love this book because he lays out the receipts and helps you understand what you're dealing with. You see, black I don't think I don't think black people really understand just how deeply insidious, structured, and organized white supremacy really is. You know, they like it's 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 a false flag to get you to think white supremacy is all about somebody wanting to touch your hair or a white lady cutting in line in front of you at the grocery store, or somebody calling you the N-word. That, that just burns, that just boils my bones, right? Like that, that's like little kitty. That's like the kitty version of white supremacy. White supremacy is one of the most uh, structured, complex, well-designed systems in the history of this earth. And it's 300, 400 years deep in the United States. So the reason that this book, and we're going through this book line by line every Wednesday night, everybody can join for free. Just go to boycewalkins.com. You can join the book club. It's great because when you understand what you're dealing with, everything that they do starts to make sense. You totally get why the Democrats do what they do. And you cannot really blame them because this is a cash cow. You know what I'm saying? See, if black people get off the plantation, it's game over. Like like literally when, when, when the masses of black people wake up, like that, it's got America will be flipped on its head because they have built this entire country on your back. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? Please tell me you understand what I'm saying. So, so I want to go back to what you were saying about the voting rights thing, which is a real interesting, crazy rope dope. I, I just, I just giggle inside every time they start talking about uh, voting rights. Um, because it's, it's hilarious. Like we, we, we can't, we, we too stupid to know how to go get an ID and, but yet you, but you, you're supposed to have your back scarred, but you can't get an ID. I, I don't get it. Right. But, but then the, the other interesting thing too, and I'm, I'm sure T I'm gonna let you kind of jump in this first, cause I've seen you talk about this and I feel like you're gonna, you're gonna probably like T's real passionate and, uh, T, T just has a lot of great energy. That's why, that's why I love this brother. I saw, I, you see articles like this where they talk about non-citizens getting voting rights, basically illegal immigrants. In New York, I think that you don't have to be an American citizen now to vote. A lot of places are are passing these laws. Um, if you read what Dr. Anderson wrote in, in 1992, he argued that that was the strategy. It was to replace Black people economically and politically by basically bringing, uh, creating immigration policies that dilute uh, Black economic power, that dilute Black political power, that dilute the Black vote. I feel like it seems to me that with this whole push, T, that that pushing to get illegal immigrants voting is a way to actually destroy the black vote. Well, so while we are we we're told that the Republicans are trying to take away the black vote, which I don't doubt, I assume that they are. I think the Democrats are actually working twice as hard to dilute and destroy the the, the impact of the black vote by letting people who are not even citizens of this country vote just like just like American citizens can. T, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a perfect way to just completely finally wash your hands of black people. You know, when you get illegal immigrants or immigrants from other communities coming in and voting, 
you owe nothing to the black community because then you you don't have to rely on their vote anymore. And see, this is where black people have got to be careful. Stop calling yourself minority. Stop calling yourself people of color. Stop acting like there's just alliance with all races of people who are non-white and we're all battling together. We got all got the same issues. All of us got our, uh, there are some white guys foot in our neck. And if we just allied up, we could defeat them. Other communities don't operate like that. I mean, if you go to any of the, you know, the Mexican coalitions or any of the Asians, none of them is talking about this people of color coalition. None of them, they don't even talk about black issues. It's amazing. They don't even call themselves minorities. Just this, I promise you, look at the CBC Congressional Black Caucus, and then you look at the Latino Caucus in, in, in the Asian. The Congressional Black Caucus is the only one calling themselves minorities, and we must fight for the rights of all. If you go to the other ones, they, they specifically say, this is for the best interest for the Latinos. This is for the best interest for the Asians. So yes, the reason why I, I think, in my opinion, the voting rights is also one of the things that they're pushing is to really, that drowns out the black vote. If you, you're telling people they don't need IDs, anyone can vote. Mm. Uh, Zakia, any, any thoughts? You know, I really think that's interesting. Um, I think that that's not something that can be done on a national scale. There may be some issues around constitutionality of that, of non-citizens um, voting, but um, who knows? I can't imagine that becoming a national trend. Um, I imagine in places like New York and, and probably San Francisco and other places where there are um, large populations of immigrant uh, communities, there They'll, they'll probably try to do the same. But in terms of national elections, I think they'll have a fight on their hands. Mm, interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, I'll tell you what, you know, it's, um, it's, it's nothing, it's not as if, um, you know, we all wake up and we have uh, an issue with anybody that's coming from another country, right? That's not, that's not what this is all about. But uh, when you, you know, when I, I keep going back to Black Labor, White Wealth by Dr. Claude Anderson, um, and one of the things that's interesting is he speaks on how Black people actually, I think now we're, we're about maybe a little bit more, 11, 12% of the population. But there was a time when we were one third of the population. We were 33%. And what they said, stated at that time was, we can't have this many Black people in our country as a percentage of the population. And, uh, and also what's interesting, when you want to talk about things like white supremacy and racism, if you all want to get for real about this, I didn't know this in, uh, until I saw the film Hoppy, H-A-P-I, by Taiki Grant. In that film, there was an expert who said that if you go before the year about 1861, no, sorry, 1681, 1681, he said, she said that there's no record anywhere on earth of using the term white to describe another person. There was no such thing as a white man before 1681. Uh, before that, you were German, you were Irish, you were British, you know, whatever. The the term white was created as 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 a, almost like a political coalition to say, look, if I'm white and you're white, we're going to put ourselves in this category so we can all make sure we collude so we can control the Negroes, right? And, and, and so when they built white supremacy and developed it in America, which from what I understand, a lot of that development occurred between about 1630 and 1680, when they were trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to build this country? How are we going to work the land? How are we going to make ourselves rich? And they figured out how to structure slavery in a specific way. And then Maryland issued the first edict around 1680 or so that basically said, white people are over here. 
black people over here. This is how we're going to treat black people. And that became the code of the country. So you fast forward that, you know, three or 400 years, what you're really seeing is, is the result of this, right? You're seeing uh, th- this white supremacy ideology that's kind of festered. And to me, the evidence of the white supremacy doesn't come from some redneck Trump supporter who, who says, you know, I don't, I don't like you people or whatever, right? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've been around Trump supporters. None of them have ever like, tried to cuss me out and beat me up, but maybe I'm sure that there's someone out there who might do that. Um, where I see the white supremacy is when I go to downtown Chicago and I see that uh, there are these buildings that are well, worth over a hundred million dollars a piece and uh, everything's clean and everything's safe and everything's wonderful. White people walking their dogs, living without a care in the world. And none of this property is owned by black people. All these assets are owned by white people. This built built on our backs. And then I go to South side, West side, Chicago, and I'm suddenly seeing, uh, you know, little babies being shot uh, by stray bullets. I'm seeing uh, trash everywhere. I'm seeing broken down, torn down buildings. I'm seeing no businesses anywhere. So you you see this economic apartheid that exists all throughout this country. And that to me is the white supremacy that, that tends to get missed. Uh, you know, because a lot of these very wealthy areas are areas where Democrats live. You know, Democrats and liberals, they're, they're all, you know, they're like they're sitting on a billion dollars or whatever. And they're like, yeah. A lot of them have PhDs and they're highly college educated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so I, I think that it's... um. I, I, what's what's interesting? I, I think I'm kind of waiting for us to have a real conversation about race in this country. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I, it almost seems to me that because they've dumbed down the community, kind of put us in this uh, rapper entertainment box where the rappers and the athletes are the ones who are actually representing the community as our elected, <laughs> as, 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 as our uh, you know, yeah, our thought yeah. leaders. The thoughts are just fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, like, like you give me some some dude, some dude up here, you know. He, he knows how to make a song, but he don't know nothing about the policy. He can't articulate it properly, but yet he's interviewing the president of the United States and the, <laughs> on what, what matters to black people. That is, um, that's really insulting. It's almost like Thanksgiving dinner where they still have black people sitting at the kitty table. You're not, you're not even sitting at the grown ups table yet. And, they, and they're not treating you like a grown up. And, and what's, what's also adding to that though, is it's not just how they're treating you. It's how you're treating yourselves. You've defined yourself as the nigger in the room. They they don't even have to do that. They they tell you your place, but many of you, because you know your place, that's the place you take before the conversation even begins. Uh, I'm not even going to ask a question. Uh, Zakia, did you have any thoughts on on anything that I just said here? No, I mean that's that's absolutely right. Um, a lot of what you described about Chicago can be said the same about where I live, Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, which is considered progressive. Or when I think about places like uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota and St. Paul, Minnesota, these are the progressive places. You know, they have uh, progressive policies for LGBTQ, progressive policies on immigration, progressive everywhere else. But it seems like where the progressives and the Trump Republicans agree is their hate and disdain for black people. So to me, it's like, okay, so what does a progressive actually really mean? Um, I don't know if, if, if people know, don't you know know this, but Maryland uh, incarcerates uh, more black men than any other state in this country per capita. Mm. It's not even in Mississippi. It's Maryland, <laughs> right? That's so they're continuing. I mean, and that's verifiable. You can look at the uh, ACLU actually did the report, uh, the ACLU uh, uh, Maryland, um, and we had one of our state elected officials who said that on the um, special session of the House floor just two weeks ago. 
Uh, shout out to Jill Carter, uh, state senator from Baltimore, who pointed out the fact that Maryland incarcerates more black men than any other state. So when when we're talking about all of these different issues that that matter, you still can't get Maryland Democrats who have a super majority when it comes to the Maryland House of Delegates and the Maryland Senate. They have a super majority whereby basically they render our Republican governor impotent because they can override anything that he does. Mm. I mean, it's really interesting me coming from a place like Ohio, which is ran by Republicans. And we're told, you know, this is why all the horrible things happen to black people is because we can't get no uh, Democrats elected. Well, I come to Maryland. I'm like, okay, you know, I've been here six years and um, I'm looking at how black people doing. And I'm just like, I'm confused because there's a higher black population here uh, between Prince George's County, uh, Montgomery County, and of course, Baltimore. Um, you know, I think we're about a third or more of the population as a state. We're also the wealthiest state in the country. So then why are black people doing bad in Maryland? And we got all these Democrats. See, sometimes we have to make math make sense. We have to make it make sense. Either they're also just as racist as Republicans and we need to just sit down with a counselor and deal with that and figure out how we're going to move forward or we just continue to watch msnbc and get told what to do and get told to just hate trump republicans because you know they're trump republicans <laughs> we we really need to have more critical thinking skills i mean you're laughing but it's serious like yeah, I, I struggle with our people because you know it's, it's like we, we sit down and we watch the news and we forget about reality and i especially people here in dc and maryland i'm like okay dc is ran by democrats they have been for 60 years and maryland is too so what are we talking about mm. t no i mean i i totally agree and you know I, it, it's just i get a little frustrated too because our people are argue are being finessed i will say especially I, you know i don't understand the black man sometimes as well politically because the black man is not even respected, especially by the Democratic Party. Like they don't even want to hear your voice. I've seen so many Democrats come out specifically and target black men, specifically mention black men's name. I think Simone Smanders is, is, is one of them on, on, on Twitter saying we don't even want to hear your voice. I mean, and we still go out and we vote for these people. These people write articles about us. Um, I remember The Root had an article how straight black men are the white people or black people. These are these are left-wing publications writing articles. I could have hired a white man to do it. I mean, like, I mean, oh, shoot. Exactly. The, the white man probably said, like, dang, I wouldn't go that far. God, oh. Like, seriously. And it's just like, I don't understand. Like, you know, instead, the black man is worried about white men being racist. We're over here putting videos up of white men saying racist things to black people. I mean, it's almost as if we are trying to rally up black people to go to war with white people, which is silly to me. You don't even have to do that. We just got to focus on our economics and put our foot down tangibly. And this is the one thing I did want to say um, in regards to black media. You know, it would be it would have been wonderful if the Breakfast Club would have brought on Sister Zakia, especially in 2020, especially when it was hot to just bring another perspective. Because I look at Dr. Claude's interview, first interview, 4.7 million, second interview, a million. This is talking about politics, meaning black people are interested. There's a thirst for a different point of view. But the fact is, we only got to hear from Dr. Claude Anderson, and then after that, it was drowned out by Roland Martin, drowned out by Angela Rock. I 
was to be honest, I was suspecting Dr. Bush to get on. I'm like, God dang, well, he gets on music. I, w- I was really having a thirst to just get another perspective, but it doesn't happen. And I believe that is by design. It's, this, it's just by design that our black media, who is supposedly pro-black, who talks about white supremacy all day, they don't invite independent black voices. They just mm. invite these black people who are already getting paid by that. They're either being paid by liberals or they even some black conservatives. And that's it, just to keep us in that box where we are never allowed to think outside the box. Well, uh, you know what? I, I think the response to that, everybody, is to develop more independent black media. Um, you know, we, we reach a million black people a week, you know, and hopefully one day we'll reach two, three, four, five million. So we can really use your help on that, everybody. So if you could just take one second and if you could consciously uh, take this link, share this link to this conversation. I see a lot of you talking about how much you love the panel. We're going to do more of these panels on a regular basis. If you could just share this link and give me a yes in the chat if you're if you're willing to do that. Uh, that's really going to help um, because I'm telling you, it's 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 all about how many missiles you can line up to fight the battle. And so we're not sitting around whining about it and crying about it. You know, I know a lot of y'all veterans out here and y'all don't y'all don't whine and cry. You solve the problem. You you understand the assignment. You go after the mission and you get it done. So let's go after the mission. Let You know, I'm not mad at Republicans for doing what they do. I'm not mad at Democrats for doing what they do. I'm not mad at the Negro minions for doing what they do. But what I want to focus on is doing what we do. So if you agree with what's been said here, I hope you will consider yourself to be part of the process. We can't have no bench warmers on the side. Everybody can do something. Just take this link, put it on your social media, talk to people about it. Uh, If you can support in some way, uh, that would really help a lot in terms of what we're doing. Also, if you want to stay connected, you can text the word voice to 31996. That way, that's another way we can have a channel of communication so we can have these conversations. And so let me go ahead and uh, answer one of T's questions. T made a point earlier. And uh, literally, T, I spent a lot of time researching what you said. You said something earlier, and y'all might have forgot, but uh, T mentioned that he said the Congressional Black Caucus is the only caucus that has it's in its mission uh, this idea of taking care of everybody, right? That that we're not just here for black people, we're here for everybody, right? So so let me just tell you, I looked up the mission of the uh, Congressional Black Caucus. I looked at the mission of the Asian uh, Caucus. I looked at the mission of the Latino Caucus. I looked at the mission of the, uh, his, uh, not Hispanic, Native American Caucus. So let me just read this to you. Uh, since its inception on the Congressional Black Caucus website, they said the Congressional Black Caucus has been committed to using the full constitutional power, statutory authority, and financial resources of the federal government to ensure that African-Americans and other marginalized communities in the United States have the opportunity to achieve the American dream. So that's what the CBC says. The Asian Caucus says their objective is to provide structure to coordinate the efforts and enhance the ability of the Asian American and Pacific Islander members of Congress to accomplish those goals. So they mentioned Asian Americans. I don't see them mentioning anybody else. Uh, let's see. They said um, to ensure the legislation passed by the U.S. Congress to the greatest extent possible provides for the full participation of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders and reflects the concerns and needs of the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities. No mention of other marginalized groups. They mentioned the Asian community. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Native Americans. The Congressional Native American Caucus is a bipartisan coalition of lawmakers that work to advance our nation-to-nation relationships with tribal governments and uphold our federal trust responsibilities to Native Americans through the legislative process. (coughs) Excuse me. Did anybody hear any mention of Black people or did anybody hear any mention of 
some broad coalition? Did they say we're here for everybody or did they say that we're here for Native Americans? What do y'all think? Last one, the Hispanic Caucus, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus aims to address national and international issues and the impact these policies have on the Hispanic community. That is it. Their function is to, of the caucus is to serve as a forum for the Hispanic and other members of Congress to coalesce around a collective legislative agenda. So uh, toward the end, they kind of mention a, a, a coalescing around a collective agenda, but they don't say we're here for everybody. They specifically said in that first sentence that they want to address policies and their impact on Hispanic communities. So to T's point, to T's point. Black people got to get out of the habit of trying to save everybody because you can't even save your goddamn self. <laughs> you, you can't, you're not even saving yourself. So why in the world are you out here? And you saw this during the election. Remember when Biden got elected and everybody was like, black women, look at black women saving you again. And then, they, you know, and I'm not They're saving They're not saving us though. They're not saving us. Who are right. they saving? Exactly. Please go ahead. No, I mean, I'm serious. I mean- that that line is so problematic to me because I'm trying to understand who are they saving? They're not saving black people because when you even look at, so both parties have a platform. They have the things, and you can pull that up and maybe read, read, read from that when I, when I get done. Both parties have a particular platform. Democrats are unapologetic when it comes to abortion rights for women. Democrats are unapologetic when it comes to LGBTQ rights for LGBTQ people. They are unapologetic when it comes to certain issues. However, Black people are still their largest and most loyal voting base, meaning that nine times out of 10, when Black people do show up to the polls, we vote for the Democratic candidate nine times out of 10. That's you. No other, no other subgroup does that in this country. Mm. Most other groups split their vote. Even the Hispanics, who were arguably pretty much targeted by by the Trump administration when it came to the wall and all of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of diversity also within the uh, Latino community, um, depending on what country they're from. There's a lot mm -hmm. of diversity. So, so, hey, even Joe Biden, even he told the Latino community, he said, unlike the black community, unlike, you more diverse, you hear that? That? <laughs> right. unlike Asians, they split their vote. You know what I mean? Sometimes it might be 60, 40, depending on where they go. You know, uh, same with Latinos. They they split their vote. But black people, nine times out of 10. And I would say we haven't gotten anything substantive on the national level, probably since Bill Clinton. Mm, interesting. Wow. Well, you know what? This this has been such a fruitful conversation. And uh, and I hope you will give uh, our panelists a digital thank you, a digital round of applause. Uh, we have Mrs. Akia, and there is her social media following. And your show is called, give me the name of your ZS. Give it's me. right there. People Real can talk subscribe with to Real Talk okay, on YouTube. Yes, so check her out. Go follow her YouTube channel and also T Kalik. Uh, follow him on Facebook, but I think T should have a YouTube channel too. Uh, yeah, T you really should, too. T, and bring me on as a guest. We okay, okay. Yeah, there we, right. there we go. There we go. We got to all support each other. And uh, and so I want to say thank you all for hanging out with us uh, very much. We appreciate it. Also, if you want to stay connected, text the word voice to 31996. Uh, that information is right there. Or if you also go to voicewalkins.com, feel free to go there. Uh, we still have some Black Wealth calendars if you want to get a calendar for your family. And uh, also, um, just the other day, just today, and I put the link in the chat, I wrote an article last night 
about seven things that a black child needs in order to be successful in America. Because uh, we ain't playing. We have our own policy. The Democrats and Republicans have their policies. We have the black first policy. So uh, it's seven simple things you can do to make sure your children are prepared to be successful uh, and intelligent and capable in this world. Uh, my wife and I are college professors. Y'all know this. So we're here to teach. We're we going to teach whether they give us permission or not. So uh, feel free to take a look at that. I'll put it on my Instagram. I also put it, uh, put the link to the blog post uh, in, in the chat. So, uh, so let's, let's solve problems. Let's make some things happen. Let's go get it done because we can do this. We are the greatest people in the history of this world. And uh, you can't tell me no different. So God bless everybody. Thank you so much. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. Thank you, Zakia. Thank you, T. And I will see you all very, very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye.